0: Hello, I am Katarina Sliva. I am a partner at Denton's in the real estate group. I'm also the head of our land use planning, municipal and development law group. I help our developer and landowner clients secure zoning and other development approvals for their projects. I am the lead of our Canada Smart Cities think tank. I'm also your host for the Smart Cities chat podcast series brought to you by Denton's. This podcast series covers a broad range of topics within the smart city space. Everything from drones, communication, 5G, privacy and related issues, P3s, transportation and smart mobility, sustainable, smart communities, and much, much more. You can find our episodes at www.dentons.com on our podcast page. There you can access our episodes as well as an episode description for each topic and information on our speakers. And now over to our podcast.
1: This session is... um about uh, smart cities uh, road to recovery. And our uh, keynote speaker is Chris Murray, city manager of the city of Toronto. But we're gonna address the question of uh, how does a smart city manage in a pandemic? What are the smart tools that uh, does it deploy? And so uh, Chris Murray's in the uh, in the middle of a COVID-19 maelstrom. And uh, he's, um, developed uh, a number of reports to uh, City Council, the most recent of which is uh, entitled Towards Recovery and Building a Renewed uh, Toronto. So uh, Chris will talk to us a bit about that and then there'll be a few questions. Over to you, Chris. Okay, thanks very much, Michael. So uh, thanks for this opportunity. So just if
2: I can context that just a bit here, the uh, city of Toronto, of all of you know, is about 2.9 million people, which makes us the fourth largest city in North America. Over the last 10 years, we've been the fastest growing um, uh, city in North America. In fact, in the last 10 years, we've added what amounts to be the population of Burlington and Oakville combined. Um, as well, from a you know regional uh, economic standpoint, uh, I'm sure many people realize, you know, in terms of GDP, uh, we represent about 30% of the GDP in the country. Um, with that, uh, this organization that I head uh, is a $13.5 billion a year uh, organization from an operating standpoint. From a 10 year capital standpoint, uh, we're in the order of about $43.5 billion, uh, about $12 billion of that uh, to the previous. Uh, uh, Talker, uh, twelve billion that relates to TTC. Now, all of that to say that we still have literally billions of dollars, what we call below the line, that is not budgeted, that is still uh, important for us to uh, to address uh, from a staffing standpoint. Thirty five thousand staff, and uh, as an organization, we deliver about one hundred fifty services. So, um, my background is urban planning. I'm a city planner by profession. Uh, for 10 years as city manager of Hamilton and for the last two years and a bit, uh, city manager of Toronto. Um, So the COVID uh, over the last several months has represented uh, a shock, not just to Toronto, but cities around the world, uh, countries around the world for that matter. And in Toronto, particularly from an an economic standpoint, we've uh, are, as pointed out by Michael, we're still in the midst of this. So uh, the, the story hasn't ended, it's still unfolding but we know that our retail sector has been uh, heavily hit uh, as well as our entertainment sector and our transportation sector. So when you break down the sectors of our economy, those three areas um, have, been, uh, have been deeply impacted, meaning that we have double digit unemployment. Um, and so yes, there will be an answer to the COVID virus, um, but the question for all of us really is from a socioeconomic standpoint, Uh, you know, what does the future hold? And uh, so when I say that, uh, as you well know, teleworking has become a way of life for for many of us and evidenced by this meeting, uh, as well as uh, online shopping, which I must uh, proudly admit, I still haven't bought anything online, but I'm sure many of you have. Um, All of that is going to affect us in, in ways we don't fully know right now. Uh, but uh, I can simply say to you that over the coming months and years, uh, our recovery is certainly going to be affected by the behaviors that are taking place right now. Um, so from uh, uh, from a, a Toronto Office of Recovery and Rebuild perspective, there was a report that was published uh, to which I provided a covering report and I'll talk about that in a second, But you know what? What I think we heard through the engagement that we've done with uh, many of the community stakeholder groups, um, as well as staff working for the City of Toronto, is that you know our understanding of prosperity, however you define it, is going to be affected uh, in the in on the way forward. And by that I mean there is a, a massive equity challenge that we are all facing. Uh, just how COVID has impacted people. I mean, those that were marginalized to begin with have been heavily impacted. When you think about the uh, sectors of the economy that have been affected, we know that there are many people that work in those sectors who are not employed right now, uh, who are working in very much precarious jobs. So what their future looks like is should be a concern to all of us. Um, so equity is certainly a major component of our rethinking of what prosperity means. As well, very clearly climate action. Um, you know, we're dealing with COVID now, but we know that the, the next uh, and 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 actually present crisis that we're still trying to face is the whole matter of of climate action and resiliency. And so, when I say resiliency, you know, uh, I think about it in the sense of the risk if that if we don't address it. Uh, you know, what does that mean in terms of impacts, not just to infrastructure, but to people in the city of Toronto. So. That has to uh, factor into however we look at prosperity moving forward. And then our well being as people. Um, there's no question we had challenges before from the standpoint of, of mental health and addiction. That has all been amplified. And how that unfolds in the coming weeks, months, and years down the road, uh, how we address it is going to be critical. So, from all of that, uh, there is a report, as I mentioned, the TOR report which has uh, 83 recommendations in it, uh, which sounds a lot, uh, but in fact, it, a lot of those recommendations uh, were uh, matters that we had, uh, uh, we had uh, acknowledged before COVID even happened. So dealing with many of the equity challenges that we're facing, but if you're to break it down in terms of the six major things that we are focused on right now, number one um, is certainly the economy, how it is that we Working together, other levels of government in this community, uh, do the things not just you know on a day to day basis, but a week to week, month to month, year to year. How we kind of support the economy and have it build back better uh, is really a critical, uh, critically important focus of the city, neighborhoods and related well-being. Uh, those neighborhoods that have been most heavily impacted by COVID and were historically challenges in terms of uh, the equity challenges that they were facing. We need to have a very particular focus on those parts of the city um, if we are to uh, achieve what is possible here in Toronto. The, the third theme is the climate action resiliency theme, which I just talked about. Uh, and the fourth is as, as to the previous the discussion, uh, mobility and infrastructure. Um, we have a chance right now to advance uh, strategies that the city has had from a mobility standpoint uh, in ways in which we might not have before. Um, And then we have in the fifth area of focus is the modernizing Toronto. So, you know, to any of the people that work in the banking industry, the transportation industry, and and probably many of the industries that are represented in this session, um, there's no question the city of Toronto and how it provides services uh, has been given a, a, just a great opportunity as a result of COVID to completely not just rethink, but to deliver services in a much more effective manner. Um, and then of course, uh, you know, the sixth and final, but maybe uh, if not the most important, it has to be uh, thought of in this regard is our long-term financial sustainability. Uh, 2020, uh, we uh, because of uh, rising revenue challenges and costs, uh, are chasing somewhere in the order of about a billion and a half dollars 2021 is going to look like pretty much the same um, you you can only imagine if you're trying to run a city with an operating budget of 13 billion that uh, you're chasing uh, about uh, uh, you know roughly 10 percent uh, every year hoping that uh, you know upper levels of government are going to help you out um, i would not want to do that for uh, for very long so, Um, We've been quite grateful for the support that Toronto's gotten uh, this year and we need to have similar support next year, but on an ongoing basis, Um, you know, we can't, uh, we can't really run the show uh, with that much uncertainty. So, all of that to say that uh, our approach, our way forward in this report was just approved the other day. Um, You know, the days of governments operating in silos generating policies and programs and laws that aren't really fully understood uh, has got to be behind us and so we are proposing a a whole of government approach so that uh, we are working with the federal and provincial government, making sure that, you know, policy programs and investments are effective. Um, As well as, you know, I need to work with this community, Uh, so you that are on the call and other stakeholder groups uh, we, we can't be I think uh, at odds as much as maybe in the past and we much uh, much more so will benefit from people, uh, you know, being focused on the challenges moving ahead and working in a, in a much more uh, productive collaborative way. And of course the Toronto Public Service, uh, you know, its culture is changing. Um, it needs to become uh, much more effective when it comes to uh, what this session is about and that is, uh, you know, the smart city thinking and application of, of not just technology, but the way in which we uh, manage data and take better effect, uh, better advantage of data. Um, and there's been a number of things that we've done over the last uh, several months. Uh, but I can say this, um, that, uh, you know, as Mayor Tory would say, uh, the city had to work at wartime speed. Um, those might within my organization that may have doubted uh, the importance of, uh, of uh, systems that are much more mature than than what we've had in the past I think those that have doubted it are maybe more convinced now that uh, a modernized Toronto is in the best interests of not just us that work for the city but for the community as a whole and uh, so we've been deploying a number of uh, technologies uh, over the last several months um, and, and, and I'll end with this I mean the one that was most uh, apparent and uh, and and necessary was if we we're going to work from home, just to have the means by which to do that. So we went from the ability to support about uh, uh, twelve hundred people to over nine thousand within literally a couple of weeks. Uh, so uh, you know, I think any doubters in the organization as to the importance of technology, uh, that certainly helped. So maybe I'll just end there and uh, and uh, you know uh, respond to any questions or comments that you
1: have. Well, thanks, Chris. Um, I think everybody on the uh, on this call can um, identify with your last comment because we're um, mostly speaking from home. Um, there was, uh, uh, there's a number of uh, points that are made in the uh, in the report that um, you've touched on uh, in in your comments now, and I'm just going to I'm going to pick some of these comments from the report and and ask for uh, a little bit more granularity. Uh, you talked about working together for different levels of government. One of the uh, sections under collaborating across boundaries has a couple of points. The first one was that constitutional division of powers between provincial and federal governments with no constitutional recognition for municipalities as kind of a, uh, a barrier, misalignment between uh, roles, responsibilities and fiscal capacity, uh, again, uh, a uh, constitutional issue. So we've got uh, we've got a uh, constitutional structure, federal, provincial, and municipal that uh, puts the uh, the taxing authority at senior levels and uh, and all of the or substantial portion of the spending authority at the municipal level. Um, you've talked a bit about working together. Can you uh, provide us with a, a bit more granularity on how you see that working relationship play itself out?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, of all the taxes that are paid by, you know, businesses and individuals in this country, about 8% of that total is, uh, uh, comes to municipalities. Uh, so 92% is, is uh, basically within the, the responsibility of the federal and provincial government. So, you know, I go back to the 150 services that we provide and, you know, think about when you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, how many of those services impact you? A little tough to run it on eight percent, but notwithstanding that, um, we have been aligned now for the last several months with five of the other largest cities in the country, um, and to, to sh- you know basically compare notes as to how it is that the COVID crisis is impacting us. And there is a number of common themes, some of which I've already touched upon. So, as cities, major urban centers, recognizing the constitutional point that you just made. Um, we are working together in ways that we've never worked before. And so we're, and, and what's really interesting is the um, speed at which people are returning our phone calls uh, federally and provincially uh, in terms of the, what we're seeing happen and, and how it is that, you know, the, the actions of the federal and provincial government are working or, or not. Um, we take as municipalities right now, uh, the view that there, there are some common interests that we all share. And I'll give you an example. The digital economy is critically important to the federal government. And we are fortunate amongst the cities that are working together, not just across the country, but within the GTHA. Uh, we are, are comparing our collective notes in terms of uh, how it is that, uh, you know, we could support the actions of the federal and provincial government as it relates to the digital economy. So drilling down on that, we know not just in the rural area, the broadband shortfall, there are broadband shortfalls within the city of Toronto. So, you know, the more marginalized neighborhoods don't have either the the actual infrastructure to access, you know, uh, um, the digital economy, they don't have the financial means either. So, I mean, that is something that is being, uh, you know, pointed to in our conversations with the federal and provincial government, so whatever strategy we are going to evolve, um, you know, in terms of uh, the digital economy, you know, we need to make sure that not just a few, but all people are going to be served by it. The other thing I'll point out right now, um, you know, the, the, um, the at home shopping that's going on, uh, you know, again, cities rely on property tax. And so as we watch the retail sector, try to adjust to an online service delivery platform, uh, not everyone is going to be successful. And so when those businesses go out of business, uh, it affects our main street, it affects our downtown. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, it affects my bottom line, which is the property tax. So, I mean, we look at that, uh, you know, again, we were designed around properties when it comes to revenues. And when, you know, when the economy is going into the clouds, there's a disconnect. And so that's something that we need to, I think, talk about. And then the other thing I'll end is um, we're all obviously uh, in Montreal, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, we're working with Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. You know, we're looking at teleworking and the effect that it's having uh, in our downtowns, in our offices and uh, you know, and all of that is critical to supporting the retail sector. Um, you know, don't underestimate the consequence of, of people working from home It will benefit some of the outlining communities, no question, maybe some of our rural communities, but there could very well be a price to pay uh, in terms of these large urban centers and and how much they rely on people coming to work every morning and going home at night.
1: So one of the sections in the report talks about evolving financial uh, challenges. And there's um, one provision says that we need to evaluate which services we deliver and how we deliver them. We'll need to uh, look for options for outsourcing alternative service delivery, delaying or canceling the return of pause services, or delivering services in new ways, such as online or through amended service agreements. Sort of the notion of steering rather than rowing. Um, uh, can you uh, talk a bit about your, your thinking about how that evolution is, uh, uh, is likely or might unfold?
2: I mean, you would you would think in you know in light of a global pandemic and all the challenges that a global pandemic uh, creates, that you would want your municipality to have a full a range of tools by which to, you know, to um, uh, you know continue to deliver services. So some of which it you know it may make sense to continue to do it itself, and it may make sense to to go with a different model. Um, but if I can, I'm going to drill down on because it relates to the previous topic that you were uh, that you were uh, talking about. Um, we are looking in this report at the idea of, for example, transit, transit and housing, instead of being looked at from a municipal by municipal perspective, looking at in a more regional perspective. So if you think about, you know, service integration. Uh, and the previous speaker, I think is absolutely right. We are talking about services. So the idea of service integration and, and, and the uh, you know, fair integration, you know, it's how you do that when you have 11 different transit operations within the GTHA, uh, you know, it'd be like all of us agreeing to ordering the same lunch, you know, uh, good luck in doing that when you got so many different opinions, all of which are being supported by different councils. Notwithstanding, you know that Metrolinx is part of the uh, uh, the service delivery family. So we really need to look at, and it's nothing new. I mean, if you look at Vancouver, you look at Montreal, you look at major cities around the world. I mean, they have regional transit services. So we think that that is a that's an approach that is probably long overdue uh, and needs to be examined. The other is is housing. I mean, it'd be I think appropriate as we're designing out our transit system broadly in a regional sense, we look at housing. Um, Cause you know, right now I was a former CEO of City Housing Hamilton and housing director. And it didn't take me very long to figure out that as much as the bricks and mortar matter in a housing system, you know, access to the services be it mental health addictions or other services that, that the province controls is really important to the quality of life that people experience within a housing system. So, you know, I look at uh, what was formerly the lens and now has been, you know, given a different title. We need to start to marry the services of our healthcare industry with our bricks and mortar, if you will. So that is difficult to do on a municipal by municipal basis uh, because we're working at two different levels of government. So again, that may lend itself well to a regional approach and then not all housing is is necessarily social related housing. That, you know, affordable housing, you know, you would think you would be developing it kind of hand in glove with your transportation system. So, you know, I, I think we have a great opportunity just to reimagine the way in which we deliver those two fundamental services.
1: So we've talked a little bit about, um... Uh, engagement between government to government. And we talked a bit about uh, engagement with the uh, the private sector and the effects of COVID-19 on the private sector in the city. One of the sections in the report talks about public engagement. And uh, one of the comments says a well-run city depends on evidence-based decision-making using best available research data analytics, public input and information on service to guide decisions and better enable output outcomes. It supports greater trust and confidence through public participation, transparency, and accountability in policy and program development and on performance of city services. And um, I think rife throughout this report, it it looks at uh, engagement with people gathering data, making decisions based on uh, evidence-based des- uh, decisions based on data that's been collected and how is this experience in uh, COVID-19 and the circumstances you're confronted with um, uh, exaggerated or made more important that um, that process of gathering data and making decisions based on on evidence, uh, evidence-based decisions? Well so I, I thank you for that question Michael I mean the you know, certainly, I have been with the
2: Tr- uh, city of Toronto for two years, and uh, uh, so I have a you know a fairly good understanding of how um, how it operates well and where it's challenged. Um, I remember years ago uh, attending a meeting uh, with some senior administrators from Toronto who referred to the organization as a loose association of warring tribes, um, which uh, kind of struck me as funny. Uh, and is not unique to Toronto. I mean, when you deliver as many different services that as you as, as municipalities do, it, it's not hard to become siloized, if you will. And so when, when we think about data, uh, the quality of data, how data is mined, how we how we generate uh, good decisions from data, um, you know, most municipalities and I'm quite familiar with, uh, aren't as mature as many of the people that are on this call right now. Uh, And so that that has really come, we knew it before, the need to address it is really evident, not just amongst people like myself and my senior leadership team, but I can say amongst my corporate leadership uh, group, which oversees the 45 program areas that uh, Toronto has. And that, uh, you know, the days of, 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 of data being data maturity being advanced in certain parts of the organization and not and not all. Um, I think that has been really kind of amplified in the last little while. The other thing is is that you know we've been evolving a concept called the City Lab, if you will, where you know the city and its challenges or opportunities are being shared with the uh, university and college uh, institutions in Toronto to see if we can't be leveraging. Uh, their talents to help us better understand uh, how it is that uh, you know, we could you know, develop better policy, better programs, better investments. Um, I can say this as well, we're, we're an organization that is fast becoming much more outcome focused and uh, as opposed to uh, you know, uh, reporting annually on our inputs and outputs, we are much more uh, interested, which is really what's positive, I think, in terms of conversations with the federal government and, and provincial government is that we're at least using the same language now in terms of uh, how it is that we go about develop, uh, developing policy and programs and, 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 and along with that will come legislative reform. So um, yeah, I, I don't think we're uh, anywhere near as advanced as I'm sure some of the callers uh, that are involved in the session right now. Um, and it's, you know, it's not just a, a problem. Uh, you know, I do think it is a, a chance for us to improve greatly, and, and we have counterparts, uh, certainly some in Canada, but I, I look to New York and I look to Chicago and Los Angeles and, and Boston as as places that um, you know have been evolving uh, in this aspect of their service delivery, and uh, so you know, and I mean, you look at Copenhagen. I mean, Copenhagen sells data to the private sector. I mean, there's there's examples all around the world. Of how you know smart city thinking has has matured, and in uh, Toronto I think you know has that opportunity and and quite frankly what council just approved, um, you know from a uh, you know recovery rebuild standpoint just puts an exclamation part on how important uh, you know this is and um, and so and the other good thing I think at the end of the day is uh, you know the key leadership in our organization I think is. Uh, is realizing that uh, you know we can't approach some of the most critical challenges that we're going to face in any kind of
1: siloized way. So, Chris, I think we have run out of time, and I'd like to uh, I'd like you to thank you to, uh for participating and and answering all of these questions. It's much appreciated.
0: Dentons is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take and refrain from taking action based on its contents. Please see Dentons.com for legal notices. Speakers from this podcast episode and any other professional in our group will be pleased to speak with you on today's topic or any other topic related to smart cities. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for other episodes in our smart cities chat podcast series.